Happy Sunday, everyone. And we are back with the continuing saga of Snesiana and Mia. Today's topic is partial extraction therapy. Ladies, as always, the microphone is yours. Hi. Hi. Here's Snesiana and Mia. And today's topic is partial extraction therapy. Yes. So, um, Maybe you are familiar with it. We hope that you are not because then this episode is just for you. Um, we want to make this uh, technique uh, more approachable for you and uh, that you become more interested in it. Because um, although it has been done for over 10 years, um, it is still uh, considered as a novel therapy. Um, its acceptance is growing. There are more and more uh, clinicians utilizing partial extraction th therapy, but still uh, there is some uh, resistance to it. So um, let's start from the very beginning. What is partial extraction therapy? Partial extraction therapy, it is um, like it says, it is a partial extraction therapy. Uh, the tooth, a diseased tooth is not extracted in total, a parts of it are left behind, but uh, not randomly and uh, intentionally they are left behind. Why? And which parts of the tooth? What we know from the general surgery, you know, if an organ is diseased, if uh, let's say pancreas has a cyst, no one comes with the idea to take out the entire mm -hmm. organ. Uh, surgeon is going to cut out the cyst and to save what still functions. And this is uh, with teeth. Uh, if uh, the tooth, if the periodontal ligament of the tooth and everything here in partial extraction therapy is about the periodontal ligament, if the periodontal ligament is healthy, then the buccal lamella, the root membrane, the socket shield can be left in place. Why? to maintain the rich contents because after the tooth extraction, the major problem is the buccal bundle bone. The buccal bundle bone is completely tooth depending part of the jaw of the ridge. And when the tooth is extracted, uh, then it's going to resolve. So when we leave a part of the root, the, the lamella, uh, then with the periodontal ligament, a periodontal ligament is one of the major sources of the blood supply to the buccal bundle bone. So the buccal bundle bone is nourished and it's going to survive. Uh, it's going to be really very, very little uh, rich resorption when the partial extraction therapy is done. Hürzela came with socket shield with this idea. He published proof of principle in 2010, but uh, partial extraction therapy is older, is more than 50 or 60 years uh, old. It started with the root submergence therapy. 
Okay, now I mentioned already root submergence therapy. This is one of the forms of the partial extraction therapy. We do have a socket shield with immediately placed implant, socket shield with delayed placed implant. We do have a root submergence therapy, and there is also a pontic shield. Often clinicians uh, are asking, uh, why should we take a risk in doing such a new therapy, uh, novel therapy, if, if we do have um, um, techniques for uh, bone augmentations and they uh, function pretty well? So, uh, and do, they do preserve the socket. Why would they? Do work? they really work that well? Do they, what do you see in your cases, in cases of your colleagues, and also what does literature says, uh, prospective, retrospective studies, literature, reviews, evidence-based, maybe there is no grating material that can uh, maintain the rich dimensions after the tooth extraction completely. And it is only partial extraction therapy that maintains the rich dimensions almost, almost completely. You know, if we were happy with our cases long-term, we wouldn't do any novel techniques. Mm -hmm. It's not only because we want to be pioneers. It, it's always, you know, I remember the case of one colleague, one friend of me, he posted X-ray from the single molar implant placed six years ago. And on X-ray, two-dimensional uh, X-ray, uh, everything was fine. He got so many likes, so many loves. I mean, is this what we promised to our patients, you know, we are going to place the implant for so and so many thousand dollars, euros, and you have it to look good on the x-ray. <laughs> and if it looks in six years good on x-ray, we are going to be very, very excited. Um, but if that technique is so great and everybody is, uh, that is doing it are so enthusiastic about it, why the acceptance is so low? The resistance is also maybe because of um, few papers that were published. The papers uh, reporting about uh, implants placed in contact, now listen, implants placed in contact to unintentionally retained root fragments. Okay, someone extracted the tooth, and the tooth had some periapical area, vertical root fracture. Many cases that are shown in these uh, two papers are with the vertical root fracture. Um, it wasn't diagnosed. Implant uh, was placed in the close proximity or even in contact with this unintentionally retained uh, root fragment. And of course, the patient developed complications after a few months or after a few years. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is, uh, of course, I agree with this 100%, but the authors concluded, they concluded that uh, like uh, there is, um, there is a raising interest uh, in the partial extraction therapies or there is a raising interest in living 
intentionally the root parts in order to maintain the rich dimensions but it is a uh, very risky don't do it you can see what happens if it is done um i admit there are long-term studies uh even one with 10 years follow-up but um, it can be objected that it's not enough data to tell for sure that one technique can be backed up but from scientific and practical point of view but we do have really you mentioned already 10 years follow-up five years follow-up up to four years follow-up uh, very very honestly with all complications that can happen uh, and we do have very nice uh, uh, clinical trials, prospective randomized studies showing partial extraction therapy superiority compared to the standard conventional post-extraction implant placement without socket chip. But I'm also um, long enough in food business uh, to understand the skepsis. We were enthusiastic, we were euphoric many times, first with the post-extraction implant placement, and then uh, uh, Joseph Kahn has shown that the recession uh, happened uh, often, and we have learned how to place properly post-extraction implants with gap and small diameter implants and connective tissue and immediate provisional, okay, uh, and uh, it became absolutely better. And also Herzl was very honest with his full arch cases. Uh, his first full arch cases, like my full arch cases, were this minimally invasive uh, post-extraction implant placement without flap elevation with filling the gap. And it works nice, it looks good for a few years and then the problems start. So nowadays for full arch approach, I like Simon Pieri uh, uh, approach for full arch cases with uh, implant placement and really nice thick veneer grafting and flap elevation, of course, in order to do this. But I still think uh, that the partial extraction uh, therapy is different because the biology explains it. Because in partial extraction therapy, the part of the root with periodontal ligament is retained. And this periodontal ligament is supplying the buccal bundle bone, but not only the buccal bundle bone, the interproximal bone, and very important, the peri-implant soft tissue, the peri-implant connective tissue uh, is supplying uh, with the blood. And this makes a difference. Uh, this um, rich maintenance, you know, and we are many, and we uh, communicate uh, very, very close and very honest in our partial extraction therapy group. None of us have ever seen a case of peri-implantitis with partial extraction therapy. We have seen, of course, different scenarios of complications and failures, but never, never peri-implantitis. Uh, have you seen the complication like shield loosening? Yes, mm -hmm. complications like uh, shield loosening. Uh, I've seen it twice in my patients and each time why it happened, it was because the shields were too short. Mm -hmm. When the shield is prepared too short, 
uh, it doesn't have uh, sufficient stability to survive. And then uh, we can see sh shield loosening. It is also uh, the shield displacement uh, if the cervical area, the transgingival area is not prepared properly and the abutment or the crown is uh, doing a pressure on the shield. Then we do see complications, but we have seen complications more often 10 years ago. Now the, the, the protocols are developed and I can really advise you uh, to read uh, uh, Gluckman, De Toa, Salama, uh, paper uh, 10 years. Uh, uh, we, we will put a link underneath this video or podcast uh, how to prepare a socket shield in order to avoid complications. Also in the book from Udata Kerr and his co-authors mm -hmm. is described very nice. It is important to follow the rules, to follow the PET rules. It is not only about the technique, it is also about indication, of yes. course. Uh, not only about the sheer thickness and the sheer length, but also about indication. What are the indications and contraindications? I yes. can imagine there are contraindications. Yes, yes, this is almost a better question mm -hmm. to start with contraindications than with indications. What do we need? We need a healthy uh, tooth uh, root uh, membrane, a socket shield with a healthy period of the ligament. What does it mean? It means that the tooth uh, shouldn't be periodontally diseased. No mobility of two or more. Uh, it means also that uh, it shouldn't be in any internal or external inflammatory root resorption of the buccal root part. It also means that uh, the root canal content uh, should be removed and also the apical area uh, should be removed. It is basically the therapy for the teeth with intact buccal bone, with intact periodontal ligament, uh, with tooth mobility less than two. And then one would say, you never see it. You see it very, very often. It's not only the teeth with horizontal fracture. These are our patients that come, you know, with 20 years old bridges and crowns and we take it down and uh, cannot do uh, prostodontic uh, therapy mm -hmm. on it. These are also the teeth with uh, unsuccessful endodontic therapy. Uh, it is very, very often that we can apply a partial extraction therapy. Let's talk about the technique. You already mentioned and we discussed about the socket shield, uh, but uh, the partial uh, extraction technique is not uh, only socket shield, it is also root submergent technique. Yes, root submergent technique and technique. Many clinicians that start with partial extraction therapy, they start actually with root submergent technique and then they do hands-on mm -hmm. on the socket shield. On partial extraction therapy, we always start with root submergent therapy and you wouldn't believe you will believe because yes. you join me in my courses uh, that uh, 
there is uh, really such a big uh, problem in the minds. They uh, hardly ever submerge sufficiently the, the root, yes. Okay, root submergence therapy first, what does it mean? It means that the coronal part of the tooth is basically cut off and the root is submerged. Of course, this root must be Oh, healthy. Healthy. It can be a vital tooth or with the proper endodontic filling. Yes, treatment. proper endodontic treatment. Just imagine, it must be a route uh, that uh, you would take uh, to do a new crown on it if you had a coronal part of the tooth. This did uh, be used for the root submergence technique. Uh, for it, uh, it was developed in 60s and 70s in the last century already when the clinicians noticed when, when the roots remained in the ridge underneath the prosthesis that there was less or almost no ridge resorption and better hold for the prosthesis. And in 60s and 70s, not only uh, cases, uh, case presentations were published, but also the animal studies were done, uh, clinical studies were done, also a uh, human histologist were taken, human histologists showing that uh, mostly the bone or the connective tissue, of course, both of them cover the root uh, uh, after this procedure, a few months after this procedure. But uh, no connective tissue and no bone, of course, would co will cover a root if it's not submerged sufficiently. Mm -hmm. It must be submerged in that way that uh, the... That the margins of the root adjacent to the bone are on the bone level and then the root is concave, it's hollowed out to make a place, to make a place for the at least three millimeter soft tissue coverage between the submerged root and the pontic base because nowadays we utilize uh, a root submergence technique for the pontic sites. This is how this procedure that was uh, published and utilized 50, 60 years ago became again popular when Salama and his group published amazing case uh, with the submerged root between two implants in a static area. And uh, Salama had uh, recently uh, shared in our group 10 years follow-up of the case. It looks still, still amazing. But sometimes uh, we can't do uh, root submergent therapy. When if it's there not are... possible, if there is some kind of information, if there is periodontal area in the palatal or the lingual side. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. This is if there is periodontal pocket on the palatal side, if there is a periapical area, if the tooth doesn't have a proper endodontic treatment, uh, non vital tooth and not proper endodontic treatment, we cannot do root submergence procedure. We shouldn't do it. But what we can do, we can do a uh, pontic shield. 
Mm-hmm. And what so, is the Pontic Shield? Pontic Shield, uh, it's uh, even uh, it's like like socket shield, but even easier because uh, no implant is placed. <laughs> yes, it is simple socket yes, shield. Yes. Yeah. And uh, now we can go through the steps of the socket shield preparation, or uh, not through the steps of the socket shield preparation because uh, uh, for this one needs really uh, some uh, video uh, assistance to show it, but uh, just to just to emphasize what we want to have at the end. We want to have a healthy uh, piece, a plate, a shield of the on the buckle of the root. Uh, it must be long enough to have sufficient uh, stability. And now you can talk about the th- two thirds of the root length or about at least six to eight millimeter of the length in order to get the sufficient stability. And it, it should have some thickness, of course, about 1.5 millimeter uh, not, uh, to avoid any flexibility of the socket shield. And it is very, very important to remove root canal content. Any organ? Apex, yes. Any organic parts of it, apex, periapical areas. We can add uh, apicoectomy. I do it often with socket shield therapy to make sure that they really removed all periapical, uh, periapically diseased tissue. And uh, these are the major points of the socket shield preparation. And there are uh, instruments uh, to do it, uh, drill sets. Uh, we can put some links uh, below the mm-hmm. video. Mm-hmm. So now uh, we prepared the socket shield uh, and the implant should be placed. Mm-hmm. So what are the rules for it? The rules for it. It depends which implant system or which uh, implant abutment design uh, one utilize. The majority of clinicians nowadays utilize uh, implants with a conus connection, platform switched implants, and implants should be placed about one millimeter below the socket shield level. I have forgotten to mention that socket shield should be prepared to the bone level, on the bone level, and very important is to thin out the, uh, the socket shield in the coronary area, why we place an implant one millimeter below the socket shield and then already our abutment comes out and we need about two or three millimeter space again for the soft tissue coverage between prostodontic components and the and the socket shield. And implant is of course placed prostodontically driven. It is placed mostly, almost always, in the palatal part of the socket. It is of course the best thing you can do is to guide your implant placement. And it is also possible to, I will say, semi-guide a socket shield preparation, just just cheating, just uh, tricking the implant uh, navigation uh, software and telling I want to place my 
implant actually uh, in this area where we want to have our first drill. Uh, it is through the root canal to prepare the socket shield. So we are now familiar with the socket shield, buckle socket shield, uh, which is a line to a line angle, mm -hmm. but there are some variations of the socket shield like C-shape, uh, L-shape, uh, proximal uh, socket mm -hmm. shield. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are when... some variations and uh, yes, sometimes uh, you want to ask about necessity. necessity yes, yes, sometimes they're really necessary. Uh, Joseph Kahn published the proximal socket shield and uh, what for is the proximal socket shield? Proximal socket shield is important if an adjacent uh, tooth is not a tooth with the periodontium that maintains the bone pit between implant and the tooth, but adjacent to our implant that we need to place is an implant or a dentulous area. So it is important then to maintain the best we can have this interproximal tissue and if if, imagine if it's uh, the root fracture in the buccopalatal dimension, then we cannot prepare a standard socket shield, but we can still retain what's healthy. This is like Chuck Swimmer says, keep the good, lose the bad. Yes, and then the proximal shield can be uh, prepared or if there is a root resorption on the buccal part of the root, but not in the proximal part. Otherwise, we can prepare L-shaped socket shield. It means socket shield on the buccally, on the buccally and with extension interproximally. Or C-shaped socket shield. This is socket shield that has extensions towards the mesially and towards the distally. This C-shaped socket shield is not only for the situations with the adjacent edentulous areas, but it is also then, let's say because of the big periapical area or because of the previously orthodontic movement that results in very short roots and we cannot retain six to eight millimeter uh, of the buccal socket shield, but we really desperately need socket shield in order to maintain the rich dimensions, then it's very logically to extend the shield surface and how to extend the shield surface, but by extending it to the mesial and distal area. So these are then uh, indications uh, for the L-shape, C-shape, and proximal awesome. socket shield. Uh, when you place an implant, um, there should be, or sometimes it remains bigger or smaller gap mm -hmm. uh, toward the uh, socket shield. So do you graft it or you mm -hmm. don't graft it? Is it necessary? It's not necessary. Yeah, so. it's a good question. And nowadays we still don't have a proper answer. But let's go uh, just a little bit back to the first part of your question. It was, uh, you, you, you uh, told sometimes there is a gap. Actually, mm -hmm. we should strive, mm -hmm. uh, we should tend to have a gap between implant and socket shield. Why? Because uh, 
when an implant uh, uh, is uh, placed, it can happen that uh, the socket shield gets displayed or displaced or fractured mm -hmm. through the pressure by uh, during the implant placement. I faced it uh, once in my career, but it can really happen. For this reason, it is better to have a gap. Not only for this reason, it is also to have a sufficient space. I already mentioned this space mm -hmm. for the soft tissue in the coronal part of the socket shield. Uh, so it is better to have a gap between implanted socket shield. It is possible to do it without a gap, but it is more safe with a gap. Okay. And regarding uh, uh, grafting the gap, there are some uh, animal histologies that we have, and all animal histologies are showing actually socket shield in the direct contact to the implant. And uh, they displace a bone between implant uh, threads. Uh, there is a bone between socket shield and uh, not between uh, socket shield and implant, but there is a bone growth uh, or between implant threads. Animal histologies, two human histologies we have. Uh, one from uh, Chuck Swimmer showing a bone between implant and socket shield. Again, implant is in contact with socket shield and from the Greeks group uh, showing uh, three millimeter uh, soft tissue in growth in the coronal part that was not in the contact with socket shield. So uh, there are different groups and approaches in the partial extraction therapy world. Some of them uh, grafting, some of them not grafting. It is interesting that uh, we really have predictable, nice and stable results, but we really don't know what happens in this space between implant and socket shield. Histologies that are available are showing the bone. But in some CBCTs, when we look at the CBCTs, we are not very sure. Where uh, we can uh, look into the healing, into the tissue that grows inside the socket is in the cases when we prepare the socket shield, but we don't place an implant immediately but delay implant mm -hmm. placement. Then we can really see what kind of the tissue is built inside the socket. But it is the topic for another, in another episode, uh, episode about the Glocka technique. Glocka technique means? Means leaving the uh, socket shield without implant placement, but grafting the uh, socket, socket or not grafting the socket yes. and yes. coming back uh, delayed to place an implant. Uh, I've done a retrospective study to this topic and uh, we are going to talk about it. This is the topic I am the most passionate about it. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye. And that's it for today, number three, on uh, partial extraction therapy. Next week, uh, number four is dentin autographs. Uh, 
the ladies will again regale you with their humor, their wisdom, and the joy that they have in doing this together. The series will continue uh, with several people who are, as they say, in process. The links to all the podcasts can be found on BeDentalExpert.com. So we encourage you to uh, share them with your friends and colleagues. And we shall see you next week for Denton Autographs. Have a good weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay well, stay distanced. And for sure, go hug somebody. It's uh, something we all need right now. Have a good one.